Every year in October since 2008, I have shared my likes and dislikes of horror movies on social media. I've done so on MySpace, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, TikTok, and now Instagram. I came in late on MySpace as people were slowly transitioning to Facebook or other blogging sites to showcase their love for fandoms. It was in 2009, however, that Twitter became a thing and I joined it in May of that year. Uh, yeah, those were the days. I tweeted about everything. As it stands right now, I have more than 15,000 tweets on the main account that has since been ghosted. I ghosted. <laughs> I use the podcast account these days. In October of that year, I used that hashtag horror movies, and lo and behold, I saw a bunch of accounts that were in the same stuff as me. Two of them who I became friends with and bonded over horror and comic convention stuff. One of them who I will also name drop during one of my movies. And the other is a girl who I was proud to have known since 2009. I said it's because we stopped talking years ago. Mostly my fault. I tend to get out of touch with friends and loved ones. In 2021, I did get a notification that it was her birthday, and so as I was going to look for her and her page to wish her a happy birthday, I read the other comments and became aware of the tragedy that she had passed away two years prior. I say this because she would always respond to my horror challenge questions, and I would always look at her blog for Friday horror movie recommendations. She would post every morning on Twitter and what she was watching while eating breakfast and before work. I went back to her blog. Hey, look behind you. And I'm going to tell you what I found. For her profile picture on the blog, she has a picture of herself putting her head inside of a shark's mouth during the 40-year anniversary of Jaws. Jaws has been out for 40 years now, huh? Her bio re read, her bio reads, Greetings, horror friends. My name is Nikki, and I love all things horror. I spent my youth raiding the horror section at all my local video stores, staying up late watching Tales from the Dark Side, Monsters, Friday the 13th series, The Twilight Zone, Morgus Presents, Tales from the Crypt, TNT Monster Vision, and whatever horror movies I can get my eyes on. I now spend my adult years watching movies for breakfast, rating the Netflix, and hitting up midnight movies. I made Hey, Look Behind You to provide horror geekery like short films, reviews, survival tips, and more to fellow horror fanatics. Alright, so she's gone to countless of comic book conventions, including 2010 San Diego Comic Con, CTE to 2011, 2012, and 2014, Flashback Weekend 2009, 2011, 2012, 2013, and 2017, Music Box of Horrors 2013, Walker Stalker Convention 2014. At all these conventions and meetups, she met some amazing creators, actors, and personalities, which include the likes of Malcolm McDowell. The late great Sid Haig, Andrew Rottenberg, Lauren Conn, and Steve Yuen from The Walking Dead, Scream Queen Jill Shellen, Hellraiser himself Doug Bradley, Scout Taylor Thompson, who played Laurie Strode in the Rob Zombie Halloween remake, Nicholas Brendan, you know, that guy from Buffy, who I've also met at C2E2 2012. We had a meetup there as well, me and her. She was fun uh, times. She was awesome to hang out with. Uh, she's also met Chris Hardwick and Val Kilmer, to name a few. Needless to say, she has traveled far and wide to meet her horror icons. And in doing so, she put them all on the blog, including countless reviews and Friday watch-alongs. She was hilarious in every moment and every picture that I've seen. She would always have a smile on her face. This is why I'm dedicating these horror episodes to Nikki and changing the name of the segment 
to you guessed it. Hey, look behind you. Skeletons and shivers down your spine Shrieking skulls will shock your soul Seal your doom tonight Spooky, scary skeletons Speak with such a screech You'll shake and shudder in surprise When you hear these zombies shriek We're so sorry, skeletons You're so misunderstood You only want to socialize But I don't think we should A spooky, scary skeleton Shout startling, shrilly screams They'll sneak from their sarcophagus And just won't leave you be In horror news, this comes from the IGN website by George Yang. Miramax has received a TV rights to the Halloween franchise. It is currently controlled by Trancus International Films and run by Malik Akkad. According to Deadline, the deal between Miramax and Trancus include a Halloween TV series as well as a first look agreement for other TV projects for international markets. The Halloween series could have its own cinematic universe that has both film and TV. Mark Helwig, the head of global TV at Miramax, will be working with Akkad to oversee the Halloween franchise. We couldn't be more excited to bring Halloween to television, Helwig said in a statement. We are thrilled to expand our long, successful partnership with Trancas and the brilliant Malik Akkad in introducing this iconic franchise to a new form of storytelling and a new generation of fans. End quote. Akkad added, Trancas International Films is extremely enthused to be spending our long-standing relationship with Miramax, and we look forward to working with Mark Helwig and the entire team in creating this new chapter. This looks to be the latest attempt to turn a beloved horror franchise into a TV series following on from Chucky on the USA Network. Turning it into a cinematic universe would be a bold step, but Miramax certainly has plenty of material to draw from the franchise's 45-year history. The Halloween franchise spans 13 films, including the original in 1978. In 2018, a Halloween trilogy was created that focused on Laurie Strode, the former babysitter protagonist Michael Myers. The second films in the trilogy, Halloween Kills, was released in 2021, and the final film, Halloween Ends, was released last October. George, Rang- George Yang wrote in his review, he's gonna hate me, um, fucking killing his name. George Yang from IGN wrote in his review, despite dialed-in performances from Jamie Lee Curtis and franchise newcomer Rowan Campbell, David Gordon Green's larger exploration of evil and trauma expands on the conversations he started in Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills at a rate that ends doesn't quite have time to keep up with. There are some memorable kills and reverences for the franchise at large, but it stumbles as it brings it to a close. Welcome back to the podcast. I am Evil, and this is a special horror edition of From Under the Apron. Hey, look behind you. It's Friday the 13th. We have to celebrate. Last week, I invited the 31 Days of Horror Challenge, which was just me throwing out my favorite type of horror movies and what they meant to me, but in the midst of all that, I got a lot of people answering those questions as well. So dust off that old hockey mask and get ready to call your mom for help because we got more questions this week than last week. And that wasn't a shot at your mom, that was a shot at Jason Burry's mom. I was honestly surprised I didn't think anyone would answer any of the questions or would want to be a part of the podcast, but the answer, and so I feel like I have to share with everyone. Some are answering from the start, others are answering as I post the Daily Horror Movie Plus, a fact of that movie. I sent La Clementina a message the other night 
asking her if I can use her answers on the podcast, and she didn't know I had one. So she's probably listening to it now, and I'm going to name off some of the answers I couldn't get to last week, as well as others that are now just participating. So here we have, I haven't done a cartwheel since I was nine. Says she was unreliable to do them every night, so she went ahead and did them all in one post. So here we go. For the movie that introduced her horror, she said Chucky. The last movie horror movie she saw in theaters was Barbarian. Oh, I heard about that movie. Fucking can't. It's a... Yeah, it's a freaking crazy-ass movie. Favorite classic horror movie, Nightmare on Elm Street. A movie she thought she loved but didn't was The Nun. A favorite horror remake was Evil Dead. Her favorite vampire movie is Renfield. Uh, UOIC did the same thing and started naming them off and joining in. So here are her answers. I'm sorry, YUOIC. I'm just going to call it UOIC. Uh, first horror movie, Puppet Master. Neil Gallagher found the secret to Tulum's puppets who come to life and then killed himself. Alice and his psychic friends come to investigate and are stalked by Tulum's puppets who have a variety of strange traits, including a drill for a head and the ability to spit up leeches. Leech girl. Leech girl. Man, leech girl. Um, I don't think I was supposed to watch that as a kid, and I don't think I was supposed to be aroused by leech girl. But damn. Okay. Anyway, uh, holy shit, that was a good-ass movie. <laughs> um, last movie she saw in theaters, Saw 10. Classic horror, El Libro de Piedra, uh, 1969, or The Book of Stone. It's about a governess, Julia, comes to work in a Burgoy family that live in a forested property that they have recently bought. Julia to take care of a little girl named Sylvia, whose unusual demeanor may find its root in the family garden. Gonna have to look that one up because it's in Spanish. A uh, movie you thought you loved but didn't. Hers was Hellraiser. I ha, kinda have a soft spot for Hellraiser. I don't blame you. Looking back at this movie when I first watched it in 2013, I just thought, what the hell was wrong with the 80s? And it has Clyde Barker. He's a legend. Favorite horror remake? She chose Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, from 1992, favorite vampire movie, Let the Right One In, another movie I have to watch. Uh, another user, F, SF Ruggler, first horror movie was, actually might be too far back to remember, seeing Robin Perlman as the Beast made me cry, but that's a series. I remember watching Urban Legend and I Know What You Did Last Summer a lot. My Nana had so many VHS tapes. Or the Blair Witch Project. I thought it was real. I was five. We all thought that was real. Uh, the last horror movie she saw in the theater. I think it was Scream. I don't get to go to the movies nearly as often as I like to. And rarely as good horror played in my normal town. When she said Scream, it was 2022 Scream. From last year. Favorite classic horror movie. The Fly. I guess it's a shame how many classes I skipped out and watched what I wanted to instead. Um, it's kind of freaking. Eight, I'm aging myself, I guess, but the fact that she chose to fly from the '80s as a classic horror movie instead of the old original Fly movie, like, damn. What does that say about the? 80s movies, they're all classics. They're all, like, timeless now. Holy shit. Uh, horror movie you thought you'd love and didn't. Grave Encounters, Dark Water, The Grudge. She didn't like The Grudge. That's some fucked up shit. When it's working horror is the best genre, but and when it's bad is the worst. Favorite horror remake, The Invisible Man, floored me recently. The Thing, 2011, is actually insane. Halloween 2, probably one of the best of all time. The Ring is infinitely better than the Japanese version. Wow. Snyder's Dawn of the Dead is 10 out of 10. I could go on about remakes. They're so often better than the originals. What? 
not bad, not bad. I'm digging, I'm digging their opinions. Favorite vampire movie? Interview with the Vampire was such a surprise. I expected it to be terrible and was floored. The Addiction, Let the Right One In, Herzog's film, and Shadow of the Vampire are both amazing Nosferatu films. Uh, our friend La Clementina answered. Uh, favorite horror remake. I don't usually like remakes, but I actually really enjoyed Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead from 2004. Maybe it's nostalgic for me, but even now it feels very thrilling. Um, favorite vampire movie, Let the Right One In, in Swedish original, not the awful American remake. Y'all have some opinions on these. Uh, um, for most disturbing horror film, Cartwheels chose The Green Inferno. I chose Vulgar and Red State. Both are from Kevin Smith, and it stars everyone from WSQ Universe. So imagine... Um, Jay and Silent Bob doing something other than Jay and Silent Bob. It's ridiculous. Um, and that's it from last week. Now we're going to get on to this week. The monster blood changed direction, still bouncing and quivering and leaving white stains on the grass like enormous round footsteps. Joe, stop reading it. This is too scary for me. You're right. It is too scary. If only we could talk about goosebumps in a way that isn't scary. Well, guess what, nerds? There might be a podcast like that called Geesebumps. Geesebumps? Did you mean goosebumps? Maybe. Geesebumps is a comedy podcast based on the works of R.L. Stein, hosted by me, Danielle. PhD. And me, Jojo PhD. And me, Jeff, regular person. Featuring goofs, funny voices, and the occasional critical thought. Geesebumps! Available on Podbean and everywhere else podcasts can be found. Hi everyone, this is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening! All right. So now we're at day seven. Is that where we left off last week? Day seven. I'm not even going to count days anymore. I'm just going to say, like, stuff. Favorite zombie movie? Resident Evil 2002. Directed by W.S. Anderson. Starring Mila Jovovich, who did her all of her own stunts except the pipe jump in the sewer scene. She used a stunt double in that scene because her agent thought she would get strangled by the hanging wires. Michelle Rodriguez, who had informed her agent that if anyone ever wrote a script about Resident Evil, that she wanted to be a part of it. Her agent, Julie, put her in contact with Paul W.S. Anderson when his screenplay was bought. Other actors in the movie, Eric Mabius, Selma Blair, went with Miller... Uh, synopsis, a virus has escaped in a secret facility called the Hive, turning the staff into hungry zombies and releasing the mutated lab animals that they were studying. The complex computer shuts down the base to prevent infection. The parent corporation sends in an elite military unit where they meet Alice, who is suffering from amnesia due to exposure to nerve gas. The military team must shut down the computer and get out fighting the way past zombies, mutants, and their computer itself before the virus escapes and infects the rest of the world. Alice must also come to terms with her slowly returning memories. Yeah, it affects the rest of the world. Like, what, eight movies later? Sure. <laughs> um, this is actually my favorite zombie series. I'm not one to enjoy video game to movie sequels like Blood Rain which is now in its fourth sequel, but whenever I see that Mila Jovovich and her husband are coming out with another Resident Evil, I got excited. 
Not because of the zombies, but because of the story and it came from a video game. And sometimes I want to see how badly it is and how true to the story of the game they went. And before you tell me they're not zombies, but infected with virus, I know this. But they turn to zombies and they run. They have evolved. Monsters do evolve. The creepiest thing I've seen in these movies are mutants. The mutated dogs as well as the monsters, and I'm always hoping the series will end on a good note, but it always ended on a cliffhanger. Except for the ending. At around 1 minute and 30 seconds, 30, I'm sorry, at around 1 hour and 30 minutes, a newspaper in Raccoon City reads, The Dead Walk. This is a direct reference to Day of the Dead, 1985, in which newspaper at the beginning of the film reads the same. Kill count for this movie is 88. Ah, that's a lot. Ah, holy shit, what was that? The dog zombies at around 50 minutes in the movie. One of the most popular scenes in the film. When Alice runs up a wall and flings around to kick a zombie dog in the head. It took three months of training for that. Shout out to Army of the Dead, which I just recently watched and enjoyed, as well as Shaun of the Dead. Both the top tier movies and shouldn't be overlooked. Other people who have answered are Amanda, who 28 days later, it was the first zombie film she saw where the zombies weren't just a shuffly inconvenience, but were all out predators chasing prey. Astronaut in cyberspace chose 28 days later also for sure every time I hear the tornado sirens go off downtown I think I'm going to start seeing the zombies running pixel has cake also chose 28 days later it's a popular movie and evil dead 2 cartwheel chose 28 days later and 28 weeks later anybody else zombie movie Little Linguini chose Shaun of the Dead, my favorite one of all, as well. Um, but it's mostly because it's funny. Favorite monster movie, The Monster Squad, 1987, directed by Fred Decker, starring Andrew Gower, Ashley Bank, Ryan Lambert, Stephen Mack, Stan Shaw, Duncan Regger, Showed up as Count Dracula, Tom Noonan, Frankenstein's monster, Tom Woodruff, creature from the Black Lagoon or Gilman, Michael Reed McKay, the mummy, Michael Faustino, Bud Bundy from Married with Children, and Jason Hervey, um, Fred Savage, older brother from the Wonder Years. Okay. Sebnosis, Dracula is alive. In fact, he plans to rule the world, and that is why he seeks the help of other legendary monsters. However, a bunch of kids regarded by their peers as losers uncovered a devious plan and prepare for a counter-strike. Alright, so this movie is like the Avengers of monster movies. In one corner, you had Dracula, the mummy, the creature from the Black Lagoon, Gilman, the Wolfman, and... Possibly, maybe, will he or won't he join Dracula's Crusade, Frankenstein's monster. On the other corner, you had a bunch of kids who were monster um, geeks, I guess you could say. Uh, this all, movie's also considered a comedy, but I'm not going to use it for comedy horror day. It also packs the laugh and some of the scare with a lot of quotes coming out of this, which paved the way for a website. WolfGenards.com and a Twitter feed WolfGenards at WolfGenards another highly recommended film just in case you have yet to watch this I did mention that Nikki had another friend this is the guy I was talking about we all became friends we all decided to like support each other on Twitter check out each other's blogs and all that stuff WolfGenards over the years uh been fucking awesome to talk to. Uh, for those that don't know, Wolf Gene Arts means it's a quote from the movie. It's when they're trying to tell um, Horace, another character in the movie, to kick Wolfman into Nards. And then he does, and then he questions that. Oh shit, wolves have Nards. <laughs> so if you ever stuck in this type of situation and Wolfman is right in front of you, remember. 
kick him in the nards. So due to licensing issues, the crew had to create characters that were suggested, but not exact copies of Universal's iconic monsters. The challenge was to suggest those of classic creatures without really copying them, explained Shane Mahan, because we didn't have permission or the license to use those specific images. So we could do a Gill Man, for example, but it couldn't look too much like the creature from the Black Lagoon. It was frustrating for us at first, because of course we wanted to do the original designs, but we couldn't. We could only suggest those designs. So the Frankenstein monster looks a bit like Karloff creature, but instead of bolts in the neck, he has bolts on the forehead. There was a certain percentage of changes we had to make to get away from any legal copyright infringement. In addition to sculpting the Frankenstein monster makeup, Tom Woodruff Jr. played the role of the Yieldman. It was his debut as a suit performer, a skill he has perfected in the 20 years since, performing in creature suits for dozens of films. On my own time, Tom said, I'd have the guys do a body cast of me because I plan on building my own personal gorilla suit, which was something I'd always wanted to do. So this body cast was just sitting there in the shop, and then the monster squad came up, and the part of Gilman hadn't been cast. I distinctly remember sitting in Stan's shop, pointing to that body cast that I was there and ready to go, and saying, Stan, I can do this. Let me play the Gilman. I really pitched myself, which wasn't and still isn't something I'm comfortable doing, but he considered it and let me do it. The other guys started building that Gilman creature suit over my life cast, and I got to play that character in the Monster Squad. Frankenstein's monster was brought to life by Winston Crew under the supervision of SWS supervisor Tom Weir Jr., fellow SWS supervisors Shine Mahan and John Rosengrant led the Mummy and Wolfman builds, respectively. The Gilman suit was primarily overseen by Matt Rose and Steve Wang, while Count Dracula's makeup was applied on set by frequent Winston collaborators Zoltan Alec and SWS supervisor Al Gillis took care of the Bat to Dracula transformation. From Stan Designs, said Tom Woodruff Jr., a number of us started doing sculptures. Stan let me do the Frankenstein's monster prosthetic makeup, by then, he was very hands-on when it came to design things, and he was also very involved in getting performances on the set. But it was unusual for him to actually sculpt or paint things. I remember working on my Frankenstein makeup one day, and Stan coming into the makeup room to check it out. I said to him, I'd love it if you could paint a set of these and give me some ideas. And he seemed generally touched that I wanted him to be hands-on involved and lead the way for me. So one afternoon, he sat down with me and Stan and I painted appliances all afternoon, just talking about life and having a great time. I was so happy to be sitting there painting makeup appliances with Stan Winston. Near the start of the movie, the plane where Dracula first appears has Browning written outside of This is a nod to director Tom Browning, who directed Dracula in 1931. The scene where Dracula lifts Phoebe up and she screams was done in one take. Duck and Ray wouldn't wear his red contacts for fans around the five-year-old Ashley Bank because it scared her too much. For the scene, director Fred Decker just told Ashley to scream once the platform raised. When she asked when, Decker told her, oh, you'll know, and proceeded to shoot. Their terrified scream you hear when Dracula opens his eyes and Ashley's genuine scream of fright. In 2006, Wizard Magazine made a list of the 100 greatest villains of all time. Dracula was ranked as number 30 on the list, but surprisingly, it was Duncan Rager's performance in this film. His performance was chosen over all the other versions of the character. Rager's Dracula is still considered to be one of the absolute best interpretations of the character. Monster trivia in the Treehouse Club scene where they're all quizzing each other, one of them asked the other how many ways they are killing a werewolf, to which the only answer is a silver bullet. But a wolfman still has nards. Movie kill count in this movie is 28. But the favorite monster kill is Dracula being impaled through a steel fence. And he's still not dead. Amanda, the sparkly experiment, chose the mist. Stephen King, absolute balls to the wall madness. There's mist, there's monsters, there's discount Aaron Eckert. Where did the monsters come from? Where did they go? All we know is it's bad CGI 
and delightful. Uh, Cartwheel says Super 8 or Cloverfield. Favorite foreign horror? I know you guys are not going to like this one, but I got to I gotta do it. The Human Centipede, first sequence, 2009, directed by Tom Six. <sighs> I'm trying to think if I've seen any other foreign horror movies, but I can't think of one. So, backstory as to why I watched this at the time. I heard and saw Tosh.0 30 minutes or so in depth spoiler on this movie just so people wouldn't have to waste their time watching it. He went in great detail to the things that were happening and I even got a few people to tell me to listen to it first and don't bother watching the movie. I never listen. I don't listen to people. It was on Netflix. I pressed play and watched as the magic happened. Um... I'm not going to bother with the details, but you can check out the Daniel Tosh 25-minute spoiler version. If it's still out there, probably on YouTube. Or you could do what I did and ease your curiosity by watching it. Streaming it. It's a Dutch horror film set in Germany. A doctor kidnapped a three, three tourists and joins them surgically from mouth to ass. You don't go from mouth to ass. Well, you don't go from ass to mouth, but, you know, shit. Um, he joins them surgically, forming some kind of human centipede. Back up in the story a little bit. The doctor had already tried to procedure on his three dogs. Fucking hell. I hated this fucking movie. So now he decided to act this out on humans and have them be his freaky experiment. Needless to say that this entire movie from that point on is grotesque. I watched it twice. Nah, did I? I don't remember. The first time I found myself fast-forwarding to some key points in the movie because of it, it's like, no, keep going. The second time... Okay. I'm lying. I fast-forwarded it the second time as well. Just like, alright, let's let's go through it. Without press, let's fast forward it. I had to look away and try not to gag during one part. Um, if you've seen it already, you know which part. Uh, yeah, that's it. Cartwheel said anything from Japan, and she's right. La Clementina, I mean, I live in the U.S., so every horror film, foreign horror film, is better than 90% of what is made here. I honestly cannot. Pick one. I enjoy the horror films of Japan, Korea, Spain, Mexico, France, Germany, Russia. And I've seen some good ones from Indonesia. The most recent foreign horror film that I enjoyed was Baskin out of Turkey. It was really gross and didn't have much of a plot, but I actually really enjoyed and watching it. UOIC Foreign Horror is El Espinazo del Diablo, 2001, The Devil's Backbone. Directed by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, after Carlos, a 12-year-old whose father had died in the Spanish Civil War, arrived at an ominous boy's orphanage, he discovers the school is haunted and has many dark secrets, which he must uncover. Ooh, spooky. everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Dawn. And if you've ever watched a TV show and thought to yourself, oh my god, that season finale plot twist was absolutely bonkers. Or seen a movie and thought, wow, I need to talk to somebody about this train wreck immediately. Then we think you'll fit right in with our podcast, I Hate It, Let's Watch It. We watch TV shows like Riverdale and Emily in Paris. And movies like Deep Water, Killer Sofa, Rubber, and Deadly Illusions. And we give them the total rinse they deserve. It's basically group therapy for movie masochists. So come check us out wherever you stream podcasts. Hey, welcome to the Sweet Life Pod, the show where we create special moments with special people. I'm your host, Sakari Masters. In the Sweet Life Pod, we'll be discussing individuality, peace of mind, and how to attain and uphold meaningful relationships. If this sounds fitting, then follow the Sweet Life Pod on Spotify now. Thank you.
A horror movie you think no one has seen. Hmm, maybe by now. Detention, which came out in 2011, directed by Joseph Kahn. Yes, the MTV videos, music video guy, Joseph Kahn, that guy. I have several in mind, but this is one of them, and it's more of a comedy horror than horror complete with a major, didn't even see that one coming, plot twist towards the end. Starring Dane Cook and Josh Hutcherson, pre-game Hunger Games mode, and directed by MTV's music video god Joseph Kahn, extremely better than his first project, Torque. Yeah, I said it. You know, the one with the motorcycles. The film opens up with a character already breaking the fourth wall and giving you a guide of how not to be a total reject. You think this movie is already going to start off with a Mean Girl reference and then it just surprises you by being the first kill within the first five minutes of the movie by a guy dressed as Cinderella. A serial killer from a fictional horror movie within the movie. Think of the stab movies in the Scream franchise. Already starts off with a parody of other horror movies so you think it won't be taken seriously with the exception of the whole serial killer now on the loose and chopping off high schoolers with an axe. Plot twist. There's a plot twist. It derives to the science fiction genre. Told you not to take it seriously. Complete with pop culture and geek references as well as a time machine. A fucking time machine in a horror comedy. The fuck? Not gonna lie, this time machine is what sold me in the first place as a must watch if you're feeling nostalgic and don't want to take any horror movie seriously. Don't take one. Seriously. Kill count is seven. Seven. Other movies on this list. Because, you know, I just think nobody's ever seen these movies before. Frozen from 2010. Directed by Adam Green. At Mount Holliston, Snowboarders, Dan Walker, his girlfriend Parker and Neon, his best friend Joe Lynch, don't have enough money to buy lift tickets. Parker bribes Jason, a lift worker, with $100. When the system is near enclosure, they force Jason to let them have one last pass. However, Jason needs to resolve a problem, and his colleague misunderstands his instructions and stops the lift. The trio of skiers and snowboarders get stranded on the chairlift near the top of the mountain. When they see that the lights of the ski resort have been turned off, they need to make a choice. Leave the chairlift or freeze to death. Guess what they choose. Snatchers from 2019, directed by Steven Cedars and Benji Kleiman. After status-obsessed teen Sarah has sex for the first time, she wakes up the next day, nine months pregnant, with an alien. Y'all should definitely watch this. It's hilarious. Um, Girl on the Third Floor, 2019, directed by Travis Stevens, Donald Koch, a.k.a. Don, the King Don and Tiger. Moved from Chicago, um, also played by CM Punk, to the suburb since his wife Liz is pregnant. They believe the location is adequate to raise a family with children. Liz buys an old house and Don, who is unemployed, goes with his dog Cooper first to renovate the house. Soon, soon he learns from his neighbor, Allie Mueller, Allie Mueller that the house was a brothel many years ago. Ooh. Then he meets another neighbor, the sexy Sarah Yates. Ooh, and they have sex in the house. Oh, when Sarah returns to visit him, he says that the affair was a mistake since he is married and asks her to not come back again. Oh, my. On the weekend, his friend Milo Stone comes to help Don in the renovation, but soon the house shows supernatural events, and Milo, Don, and Liz learn that the place is haunted with a sordid past. Other people who have answered, Pixel has cake with Pulse when a dark net video becomes public people start disappearing left and right. A group of teenagers become strangled as they fight for survival. La Clementina chose, I never hear anyone talking about the French horror film, Them. It's super scary and extremely suspenseful. That and the Russian psychological horror film, Stray Dogs, which is incredibly unique in many ways. SF Ruggler, um, movies called Low. L-O, just like that. Super low budget. 
a horror musical about a man whose girlfriend is taken by demons, so he summons one. Funny, scary, their singing and the costumes are amazing. UOIC Calvert from 2004 says, I am deeply in love with this one. A few days before Christmas, traveling entertainer Mark Stevens is stuck at nightfall in a remote wood in the swampy Hoss Fangs region of League. His van conked out. What? An odd chap who is looking for a lost dog leads Mark to a shuttered inn. What is this? The owner gives Mark a room for the night. Next day, the innkeeper, Mrs. Bardo, promises to fix the van, demands that Mark not visit the nearby village, and goes through Mark's things while the entertainer takes a walk. At dinner that night, Bartell laments his wife's having left him, and by next day, Mark is in a nightmare that may not end. And then Cartwheel, since I was nine, chose what lies beneath. Favorite horror comedy I chose, Shaun of the Dead from 2004. Directed by Edgar Wright, Subnosis Sean Simon Pegg doesn't have a very good day, so he decides to turn his life around by getting his ex to take him back. But he times it for right in the middle of what may be a zombie apocalypse. But for him, it's an opportunity to show everyone he knows how useful he is by saving them all. All he has to do is survive and get his ex back. Starring Simon Pegg from Space and his best friend Nick Frost from Attack the Block, Attack the Block, as well as Bill Nye from Underworld. Me describing this movie will not do it justice. It's one of the most must-see to believe. Yes, it has zombies, and it also has the best comedic timing and dialogue in all of horror history. So basically, stay for the horror, watch it for the entertainment, and immediately quote it with your friends. Hey, you got some red on you. Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright considered a sequel that would replace zombies with another monster, but decided against it as they were pleased with this movie as a standalone product and thought too many characters died to continue the story. Then proposed title, the proposed title was From Dust Till Sean. However, this idea did have an afterlife. A mocked-up poster can be seen for the film in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse in 2018. Favorite kill. David at the hands of zombies busting through the window of the Winchester as an homage to Captain Rhodes in Day of the Dead. Kill count. 51, not counting Diane, David's girlfriend, who went outside beating the zombie with David's legs, but not showing if she survived or not. The answer to this question in comic book form written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. Diane survived by climbing up a tree and sleeping it off. There's a one minute behind the scenes video on YouTube with the actress voice telling you what she ended up doing. Hello, my name is Diane, and this is what happened to me when I ran out of the Winchester brandishing my boyfriend's leg as a cudgel in the motion picture Shaun of the Dead. As I cut a sway through the zombie hordes, it dawned on me that I probably didn't have much chance of saving David as he had been torn into a number of pieces and no amount of first aid training would help. Realising that I was now adrift in a sea of dead people and with no way of getting back to the pub, I realised I had to make good my escape. I scaled a nearby tree and somewhat overwhelmed by the emotion of the moment I passed out in its branches. When I came round, I could see that the Winchester had burnt down and the area was completely deserted. Being a cautious old stick, I decided to remain in my tree for several days, living off the remains of my boyfriend's severed leg, just like in that film Alive, which, coincidentally, David and I had been to see on our second date. Although that's only because we couldn't get into Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing. <laughs> after a number of days, I climbed down, and after some investigation, I discovered that the area was under quarantine. The zombies had more or less gone, and everything was pretty much back to normal. I'm now living in Birmingham with my aunt and remain in Christmas card contact with Sean and Liz. George A. Romero created a movie to which this movie pays homage and Lampoon was given a private viewing of this movie near his house in Florida. During the scene in which Ed, Nick Frost, yells into the phone, We're coming to get you, Barbara. Romero was oblivious to the fact that it was a direct lift from his movie Night of the Living Dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. And only found out later after a phone conversation with Edgar Wright. How do you not know? We're coming to get you, Barbara. Romero was so impressed with Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright's work that he asked them to cameo in Land of the Dead as zombies.
Lou Linguini and the sparkly experiment Manda also said Shaun the Dead. Minnie said Little Shop of Horrors. Cartwheel said Cabin in the Woods. La Clementina. There are too many to list. Yet again, I love horror comedy. I'll just name a few that come to my head, but really most of them are pretty entertaining. Jennifer's Body, Return of the Living Dead, One Cut of the Dead, Cabin in the Woods. One Cut of the Dead. I've never heard of it. UOIC said The Ginger Dead Man from 2005. An evil yet adorable gingerbread man comes to life with the souls of a convicted killer. This real-life cookie monster wrecks havoc on the girl who sent the killer to the electric chair. It stars Gary Busey. And that's all you need to tell me. I'm going to go watch that movie now. Favorite supernatural horror movie. Final Destination from 2000. Directed by James Wong. I fucking love this movie. This franchise. Starring Ali Larder. Devin Sawa, Kurt Smith, Tony Todd, Chad Donella, Amanda Detmer, Sean William Scott. Simnosis, Alex is boarding the plane to France on a school trip when he suddenly gets a premonition that the plane will explode. Shortly after Alex, a group of students and his teacher are thrown off the plane. Into the horror, the plane does explode. Alex must now work out that plan as each of the survivors falls victim whilst trying to prevent the next death, Alex was also lost to the FBI who believed that he caused the explosion. There are so many to choose from and this is probably the unpopular opinion but I'm not a fan of Poltergeist or The Exorcist. I know they're legendary movies and I've seen about enough of those to, to know the references here and there but those movies don't strike me as I want to fall in love with them so much. Instead, my favorite supernatural horrors are from this franchise. But these movies, it's like it hits you in the most unexpected and unexpected of places. Part 1, a plane. 2, the highway. 3, a roller coaster ride. 4, a NASCAR race. And 5, waiting in traffic on a bridge. I freely admit that I love the franchise and have sometimes wondered if premonitions are real or if it's happened to me. That's the reason we make the choices we make. I love the first one even more. Devin Sawa, Ali Larder, and Kurt Smith. It starts off with Devin Sawa, a high school student, on a school trip with his classmate to Paris. Throughout the entire 10 minutes, he begins to see the signs of impending doom, including listening to John Denver while in the restroom. They all get in their seats on the plane, and the plane takes off, only to be destroyed in the air. Alex wakes up, freaked out, and decides to test out his seat and freak everyone out on the plane as well. The bully the bunch sees this and wants to punch him, thus ejecting both of them, the bully's girlfriend, as well as Stifler, eh, you know who he is, who just showed up and tried to sit down. Alex's best friend, who was told by his brother to check on him, and the English-French teacher. Allie Larder gets up on her own and leaves as well, and as she said, if someone says the plane is going to explode, you're just going to go out, get up and go. They all get back to the entrance and wait there. The bully decides to fight Alex and at the same time the plane explodes. Everyone looks at Alex like he's some big crazy guy and then shit just ends up happening from there. It's a great movie. Watched this many times. I even joked about watching it the night before I have to go on a plane trip. Don't do it. Uh, it calms my nerves, I guess. But lots of things end up happening here that they have saved more destruction for the second movie. The entire franchise is connected with different people, cities, and ways to die. A barbed wire exploding into your body, a rock hitting a lawnmower, and then hitting a girl's face in the head, or even doing gymnastics. I'm sure you've seen that gift going around. It all adds up to the final thing, and that is you can't escape death. The story was originally going to be the concept of an episode of The X-Files, which was inspired by Soul Survivor, 1984. In this movie, a woman who was the sole survivor of a plane crash starts to be haunted by dead people that death uses temporarily as vessels trying to kill her to correct this plan and killing everyone who suspects about it. The kill count in this movie is 292 people. Um, favorite death scene is a headshot. Billy Hitchcock, Sean William Scott's character, getting decapitated by some metal shrapnel due to being underneath the train tracks 
while a train is running and landed on his face. Well, half of his face. Uh, five historical persons have had similar experiences the concept of premonitions and cheating death. That is the theme of the Final Destination franchise. Alfred G. Vanderbilt, an aristocrat, had a ticket to board the ill-fated oceanic liner Titanic. Ocean liner Titanic. I'm thinking of something else. The ocean liner Titanic in 1912, but he canceled his trip. Three years later, in 1915, he perished in the sinking of the Lusitiana. There's an urban legend concerning a stoker named Frank Lux Towers who survived all three sinkings of the ocean's liner Titanic, Lusitiana, and the Empress of Ireland in 1914. Winston Churchill said that one of his frequent car rides in London in World War II, an inner voice told him to avoid sitting in his usual seat in his car one day, and thus he avoided death when a bomb dropped next to the side of the car. William T. Stead, a psychic who perished in the sinking of the Titanic, also rumored to have had premonitions. And Hitler claimed that when he was a young soldier at World War, one day he was looking at a place to sit down in a trench with his fellow soldiers when a voice almost literally pulled him off the place to sit down on the opposite side of it. Moments later, a bomb exploded in the trench, killing all of them but Hitler. And that is... lived long enough to become a villain vibes right there. Who the fuck was that voice? Anyway... Let's not talk about that. Cartwheel said The Conjuring. La Clementina said, again, how could anyone ever pick just one? I recently watched Exorcist 3, and I absolutely loved it. There are just too many for me to list them. U-O-I-C. Silent Hill 2006. Sharon De Silva wakes up every night screaming about Silent Hill. Pursued by police officers suspicious for murder and swerving to another child, her adopted mother Rose crashes the car, knocking herself unconscious. When Rose awakens, she finds Sharon is missing. She searches the fog in the Black town for her beloved daughter. Movies and feelings. Pop Pop! Bring Your Own Popcorn is a podcast that dives into people and the movies who love them. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, inviting you to join me and an assortment of wonderful guests on fine podcast apps everywhere. Bring Bring Your Own Popcorn! You're listening to Mama Murdered a Podcast. I'm your host, A.B. Mama Murdered a Podcast is a podcast where me, the mama, will be killing it on the podcast. We take a deep dive into things that are hard to talk about and even harder to believe that these things actually happen in the world that we live in. This entire podcast will be a trigger warning. I'll be talking about triggering topics while I dive headfirst into a lot of the cases that I'll be covering. New episodes will be released every week on Wednesdays because... Well, because nobody likes Mondays and because Fridays are for day drinking and barbecues. Some of the case topics will be murder, of course, serial killers like Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, missing persons cases like five-year-old Summer Wells who vanished from her own yard in broad daylight in the middle of June in Tennessee in 2021, and especially the ones where it kind of seems like they just vanished into thin air, like Brian Schaefer. He walked into a bar, but he never walked out. He's still never been seen again. I'll also be covering cold cases and lesser-known cases. Join me every Wednesday to talk about all things tragic, murder, and things that happen in the down right ugliest sides of society if you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast you can rate me on spotify you can also leave a review and rating on apple podcast you can follow me on twitter and instagram at murdered underscore mama all of these things are free and they only take about a second to do and it really does help grow the podcast if you have any case suggestions please send them my way you can send them to the email address mama murdered a podcast at gmail.com Favorite indie horror movie? Mine was Saw from 2004. Director James Wan. Starring Tobin Bell, Carrie Oles, 
Danny Glover, Dina Meyer, Michael Emerson, and Shawnee Smith. So Nuss is waking up in the bathroom. Two men, Adam and Dr. Lawrence Gordon, discover they have been captured by the infamous Jigsaw Killer. The men must escape before time runs out. Otherwise, they will face the deadly consequences. Back in the summer of 2004 at Chicago Comic Con, or Wizard World Chicago, or whatever Wizard called it that year, they were giving out posters for this movie. It was clear. It was already screened on January 19th, and Lionsgate had picked up from Twisted Pictures. It came out that year in Halloween weekend. Sure, it was met with mixed reviews, but it also gained a cult following, a following that I was a part of for the next nine movies. What attracted me to it? Let's play a game. And yeah. A non-stop game with twists and turns in every movie and every turn. Maybe a few storylines that backtrack, but the moneymaker are the kills. The gore is what attracted me to it and made me want to go back to the following year and watch the second installment. What former crackhead doesn't want to dive into a pool of needles just to get a key for your survival? And I still cringe when I see the third one with Donnie Wahlberg breaking his own ankle. As time went on, people hated it, but I kept going by every Halloween and watch, including the one in 3D. I came for the game, but I stayed for the gore, and evidently, the video game. Yes, there was a video game. Director James Wan, who built the Jigsaw doll for the film, and Lei Wanell wanted to make a film after they finished film school, but they could only afford one room. However, they challenged themselves to create a film that only occurred in one room. This film was the product, and it considered one of the most profitable and successful horror films of all time. Saw 2, 2005, was approved for production the weekend this film opened. Kill count on this movie is 6. My favorite contraption, my favorite trap, my favorite game. Amanda and the Bear Trap. Other people, Cartwheel said, The House of the Devil. Oh. Lovely. And last one I'm going to do right here. Because it's Friday the 13th, what was your favorite Friday the 13th movie? Jason X, 2001, directed by James Isaac, starring Kane, legendary hotter. Subnosis in the year 2008, Jason Herb. I'm having a stroke. In the year 2008, Jason Voorhees is cryogenically frozen in a government facility in Camp Crystal Lake, along with scientist Rowan. Many centuries later, in the year 2455, Earth is unhabitable and humans have moved to another planet known as Earth 2. However, a team of students awakens both him and Rowan on a spaceship known as the Grendel. Jason begins killing the students, of course, and crew of the ship. Why not? As he should. Along the way, he is upgraded to Uber Jason. Upgrade. It's now up to Rowan, the surviving students, to stop Jason, this time on a spaceship. It's a Hollywood cliche that every horror movie needs to have a space team. Leprechaun. You figure by now that none of the big three badass in horror history would ever make that mistake. Wrong. So that now leaves Freddy and Michael Myers who hasn't been in space. Hellraiser. And if I spoil this movie for somebody who's never seen it, sorry. I'm saving you this time to not watch it. It's horrible. And not only is it in space, somebody decided to write this in the future. 2455. Unfortunately, it's Kane Hodder's last appearance as the masked maniac, and they give him a new metallic mask. This film is filled with horror cliches. Up in space, shenanigans, sex, stupid people getting caught up in Jason's face, sex, because he's all locked up in chains. At times, they try to be funny and get a few laughs, like Jason grabbing a girl in a sleeping bag and hitting her with another girl in a sleeping bag. It's one of those movies I have to watch because it's so bad that it's good. Other movies that are so bad that it's good. Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Halloween 3, and Halloween Resurrection. Halloween 3, I've forgiven only for the cool song throughout the entire fucking movie. 
Resurrection, uh, I was just glad it wasn't in space, but still fell victim for the let's turn into reality TV and had the victims wearing side cameras trope. The kill count on this movie, according to Dead Meat on YouTube, is 88. Favorite kill, of course, the two virtual girls. He grabs one girl in the sleeping bag and hits the other girl in the sleeping bag. So when they were packing the leaves, someone said, Have you turned off the lights? Shut off the water? Pack the serial killer? Oh, sure. Yes, I have. Okay, off we go into space. Uh, Super Solid Kid Eclipse, Eric, old hag, said he loves Friday the 13th Part 1. That's all I have for tonight. Join us next time for more questions and horror movie favorites. I also want to know if you've ever been to haunted houses, hayrides, or what your favorite costume was. So message me or send me an email. And next week I will tell you a creepy story that happened to me while I was working at the casino. As always, follow us on our socials and support us from Under the Apron on Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, The Thread, Apron underscore stories on the Twitter more info on the links where you can listen or watch in the show notes. Listen to us on Apple, Spotify, or any other media you can listen to podcasts on. And because y'all asked for it, the merch is going live on Friday the 13th. That's right. I'm doing the merch thing again on T Public with the new logo. So hopefully this time... I won't get my account terminated because of the Bitmojis, which didn't go with their rules and regulations. Link won't be in the show notes. Don't forget to rate us and leave us a review. And if you really want to do a little bit more, go to patreon.com forward slash from the apron podcast. Support us on Patreon. Become a top tier patron and get patron privileges. And I will shout you out at the end of every episode. Like Babble B. Menace Smiling, Damien H, Chanel from the Nurse in Texas podcast, and Cloudy November from the No Ascendance podcast. Both. Check out their podcast, both of them. Uh, it will be in the show notes. I love them. Dark Fake Creations. Don't forget to check out Awesome Candles, Beautiful Candles. Uh, Mini Mommy Life, Black Heart Beauty, OMG is Ren, Hannah Time, Messenger Stupidity, Rabbit, Collector of All Things Sentimental, Turtle Boy and His Wife, Mrs. Turtle, Celestial Moon Goddess, Toasted Bagel, Swifty Ever After, Lisa Journey, Sparkly Experiment, Lily Linguini, The Moofia. That's going on a shirt. Ivan Campbell Music, check out his music. Ivan Campbell, going to be in the show notes. Marijuana Barbie, Sidra, Qui-Gon Poe, Mighty Sovereign, Sula, Age of Shadows 666, Dissolve Existence, Dizzy, Sad Ride Boy, Queen of the Underworld, Jolete Sucia Perra, Wild Stark, Roman J, Mariah J's. Seriously, get over here. Hippie Forever 93, Dog Baby, Freaky Do, Freaky What? Freaky Do. Weezy Soup, the Life of 30 Something Year Old Podcast. Check out his podcast. Malami, Little Miss Confidence, Oz the Great. Smokeface 37, Rocky Diva, Professor Milo, Professor, we meet again. Helter Skelter, Shut Up Patron, Star of the Sky, Tiana Taylor 2, Greenery, I, the No One, Lost the Shadow 88, Blissful Blur, I Beloved Sly from the Sweet Life, Sweet Life Podcast, check out his podcast, Bless Noir, Dino 2016, Messy Bun Maggie, Giswick Ninja, It's Soph, Plummy Chummy, Intrepid Renegade, Uvu, Nacked 182, Your Next Big Mistake, Vivi London, and it's the remix. That's right, I saved him the best for last. Just another dude. Just another, just another, just another dude. Just another, just another, just another dude. Wicked, 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 wicked. Just another, just another, just another dude. Just another, just another, just another dude.
Shout out to just another dude. Wiki, wiki, wiki. Thank you guys for supporting this podcast. Patreon.com forward slash from the Apron Podcast. Get your name shout out. Support the podcast. Check out the show notes for links to other podcast trailers that you heard on this episode. Send us a message of your favorite wrestling stories, horror stories, questions, comments, rains, or requests at our email. It is from MDAPEN at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Join the live, staying the gift, and being a huge part of this community. Tell your friends. Join us next time for more stories, movies, and TV show reviews, as well as wrestling related stories when we come to you from Under the Apron. This is some bottomless behavior. <laughs>